the Messy Walk podcast with Pastor Adam Cook, where our goal is to have a genuine and authentic conversation about the Christian faith journey and what a messy walk with Jesus really looks like. Make sure to follow us for future episodes that will be posted regularly each Wednesday. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome, everybody, to episode 34 of the Messy Walk podcast. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whenever you're listening <laughs> yeah, to this. Yeah, yeah, I think it's episode 34. I'm pretty sure it's episode 34. Yeah, it I checked before we started one, recording. The last one was Jesus' age. Yes. So now we're in. Yes. Okay, so now we're in episode now 34. Now we're in resurrected Jesus. Right. So 34. welcome. Thanks for joining us um, today or tonight, like Adam said, whenever you're listening. Um, I'm Chloe, and I'm here with Pastor Adam. Hello. And we are continuing a series today on um, what we're calling it is sins Christians ignore that mess us up. Yep. And I last week was about spilling the tea or gossip. And let me tell you something that has messed me up for this entire week and probably will mess me up. Tell them about your parents listening to it. Oh, yeah. So, um, hi, mom and dad. My parents to the lavenders. Yes. They listened to um, the episodes like basically the day that they come out. And yesterday when I got home from work, well, yesterday i don't know how to explain this but with recording yesterday yeah. is the day that the episode well, released we're recording it, yes right. yeah yeah so um when i get home from work on the day that we released um the podcast about gossip they were like we listened to your podcast today it was awesome you were very involved in that conversation and i was like because it's ruining my life <laughs> because like, all my so tea convicting. is spilled yes yes <laughs> because it's so convicting so if you did not listen to that episode yet I highly recommend it. It honestly might be my favorite that we've recorded so far, just because it was very personal yep. to me. Um, and I think it's a great episode uh, for friends um, and family members, people that you care about that don't believe in Jesus. Right. I think it's a great episode for them that's still very applicable. Right. And especially sort of the solution to, or what we think is the, you know, what can help us not gossip right. and the way to think about it can apply whether somebody believes in Christ or not. Right. Um, I think that every single human being struggles, struggles with gossip. Yep. Um, and that it is more prevalent than we realize. And so we talked about kind of some different ways to think about it right. that um, is very challenging. Yeah. So since we said what we said, I'm not going to say what it is. Since we said what we said about it, right. um, I have been thinking about it every single conversation, just Me about too. literally every day, <laughs> every single thing. I'm like, well, hold up. Am I supposed to say that? I, I don't think I should say that. Now, of course, I've still screwed up, but uh, oh yeah, I've screwed you know. up plenty. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things that we also got to remember. That I mean, that's the reason the podcast is called the Messy Walk Podcast is that we are all going to, even though we're striving to be. Um, better and to be more faithful to the Lord and to be more obedient, right. we're still going to struggle with things. And these things that we're talking through are very symbolic right. of the messy walk that we do have. And so if you'll pay attention to these that we're talking through and not just get offended by the fact that we're bringing them up, but instead like sink, let it sink in and look at your life, you'll right. see that you know, we're we're just we're sinful beings no matter what. We're continuing to struggle. That's why we need Jesus, right? Yeah. That's why we need a savior. That's also why we don't just need a savior, but we need a Lord to lead us in a different direction yep. than than the sinfulness that he's saving us from. Right. Yeah. So um if you if you really pay attention to these ones that we're talking through, uh you'll see that that your walk is indeed messy and has lots and lots and lots yes. of room for improvement. Yes. As you continue to walk along. Definitely. And, I feel like uh, last week when we talked about that, it was definitely a, kind of like a blind spot. I mean, we're saying yeah, that sure. it's, it's sins that we ignore. Yeah. And I think that was definitely one either that I like intentionally was just like, oh, it is what it is and everybody does it and it's fine. Or it was just like an unconscious like, oh, crap. Like I, I think so. Yeah. I think. And I think yeah. obviously, you know, that's part of our sinfulness, too, is that we focus on and pay attention to particular sins in our own life. And then we focus on and pay attention to particular sins in other people's lives the whole the whole time though, yeah. completely ignoring one that is probably tripping us up more yes. because it's so underneath the surface and just happening at, at will, right? right? And so, you know, if something's underneath the surface and happening whenever it wants to happen, it's just like it's growing, 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 and you don't even know it's there. Yeah. Right. And so while you're focusing on these other sins that, you know, you should 
pay attention to those too. Yeah. But these ones that are under the surface are the ones that really do mess us up. And I think that what we talked about last week with gossip is is it is something that's really keeping us from godly relationships, holiness, uh, peace, yeah. joy. Like it's keeping us from so many things. And and one of the main reasons is because we're not we're not paying attention to it at all. We're yeah. not looking at. Um, the whether our talk is wholesome or unwholesome, and yeah. that was that's some of the scripture from last yeah. week. So, yeah. And this week's one's who I don't like this one. So my mama, <laughs> I don't know if my mom and dad listen. I don't even know if they know what a podcast is. They probably think it has something to do with fishing. Um, but <laughs> but uh, um, if if you talked a lot on the last one, and it was because you were spilling all the tea. Yeah. On and myself. <laughs> this one's going to be on me. And if my, my mama might be like, Adam, you, you seemed very uh, involved in that last <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah, same thing, yeah. Mom. So. Yeah. I'm excited for this one today. This one's though. big. Yeah. So we're going to jump into it then. Yeah. Um, I think that it is probably the most acceptable sin in the church. It is the one that we not only ignore, because see, I think with gossip, we don't accept it. We just ignore it. Right. This one is probably the most acceptable sin in the church, and in the American church at least. I can't really speak. You know, when I say the church, I typically am referring to, I'm not referring to my local church. I'm not referring to my local community right. of churches. I'm referring big. to the American church yes. typically, because that's, that's what we're in. So yeah. when we say big church, even though that really implies obviously much more than America, right. uh, these trends and these things that we're talking through, we see primarily in the American church, because that's what I know. Right, I'm sure that it is also in other for, in other parts of the big capital C church, mm-hmm. but we're talking about the American church, and so this is probably the most acceptable sin in the American church, and it is drum roll please. Um, <laughs> I can't do it very good. I was lame. Gluttony, it's gluttony. What? Yeah, and nobody wants to talk about gluttony. Um, I can't even remember the last time I ever heard anybody talk about gluttony before we did. Like in our meeting, planning this, it's out. not discussed. It's not really like a sermon series. Anybody's like, right now nope. we're doing a series on gluttony. The last time I preached on gluttony at all was when we did a series talking through the seven deadly sins, mm. um, and that was one of them, uh, of course. And it's just, it's just so accepted. That's the reason is, is because it's not because it's not a sin. It's not because it's ignored or under the surface like gossip. It's because it's literally accepted. Yep. It's like it's almost in our hearts and minds. It's moved into a category of not sin. Yeah. Right. And so um, that's what gluttony is. And so that you know, while the church has been known for taking extremely hard stances on other sins, we almost glorify overindulgence in food and drink and anything else we can shove in our mouths. Mm. Um, We almost kind of glorify that. And I do this. Um, I do it quite frequently. Like one of my go-to sermon illustrations involves this. Like, you know, as a pastor, it's really important, and especially for me, I don't know if other pastors feel this way, but I think they do. The majority of them do. It's very important when teaching or preaching to be somewhat self-deprecating. And so to make sure that you're talking through your own struggles, your own sins, but then also not taking yourself too seriously. So you've got to be able to and the way I the way I like to do that is is the point is is that when people walk in, when people are listening to the word or message or whatever it is, they have their guard up. It's like they've got their fists up. And so the right amount of self-deprecation, the right amount of honesty about your own struggles, the right amount of joking about yourself hmm. drops those drops everybody's guard. And now everybody's sort of more comfortable to hear the gospel, the truth of the word, you know, the Holy Spirit moving in their heart, speaking yeah. through whatever. So um, I tend to use this one, though, because I will refer to myself, you know, I'll refer to my belly, my, 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 my belly, I'll refer to, uh, um, you know, uh, not running like I just did this recently it was like something about running and it's like you know I'm not running any if you see me running it's bad you know so <laughs> refer to me. refer to this sort of lack of exercise yeah. refer to being out of shape refer to being you know refer to being overweight and things like that and then also food references and so it'll be you know a food reference to food or whatever it may be um, like pizza yes. you know I mean I'll constantly reference pizza and I'll reference that uh when I eat a pizza, it's my whole pizza. 
you know, and I want the whole thing. It's nobody's pizza. And yes, I do eat a whole pizza. And like I'm, I, I say that, and I think sometimes people think it's a joke. It, it really is true. Right. Um, I do do that, and uh, and we'll we'll bring up a little piece of a little story about that coming up on the on this episode. But I use this all the time, and so what ends up happening basically is I just kind of glorify it. Like I, it's not just an accepted sin. It's almost like a good thing. We glorify, you know. Oh, have you had this to eat yet? Oh, I could eat all those. Oh, I ate 10 Oreos when I sat down. Or, you know, if a bag of Doritos is, I say jokes like this all the time, a bag of Doritos, you open it, you're going to eat the whole bag. You know, that kind of stuff, right? And, and donuts and things like that. You know, I mean, just yeah. there's just this conference, conf, constant reference to yeah. um, overindulgence, and it's almost glorification of good foods, good drinks, too much, excess, yeah. whatever it is, right? And that's that's an Americanized culture piece, too. Um, matter of fact, I think probably one of the ones that we'll do in this series will have something to do with um, excessiveness. But mm. And, and gluttony is sort of in that, in that thing. And so when I mean, we live in a culture of excess, um, but Christ followers, at least, should take a stance against unhealthy behaviors mm. all unhealthy behaviors and so gluttony is an unhealthy behavior but we've made gluttony like totally normal like you know and i and i i feel this i've had a couple different times where i have made references to myself um you know just in preaching and teaching like i was saying before and i've had different folks and there'll be a couple of them they're listening to this podcast i know them they're listening um they are uh, workout people in our community. They own gyms and fitness groups and stuff like that. And they'll hit me up and be like, you know, you could do something about that if you wanted to. Like, you know, it doesn't have to be what? right. Right. Which <laughs> yeah. is really cool because yeah. it's really cool for somebody to say that to the pastor because the pastor's usually saying that to them about stuff in their life. Mm-hmm. And they spoke back, you know, done it multiple times right. and said, Hey, look, you know, <laughs> you know, you can meet me anytime you want to, you know, yeah. we can fix this problem. You know, that's you don't, cool. you shouldn't have, you shouldn't eat all that. You shouldn't be overindulging that that's not good for you. Um, and even bringing up the whole, you know, Adam, when you talk about being, uh, depressed, sad, anxiety ridden and all those things, you know, that your physical health has a part to do with that too. And they'll bring mm-hmm. it up to me. Um, and so that's cool. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty cool. Um, as a Christian, We've got to take a stance against unhealthy behavior, and so I really do. Even though it kind of, even though they hurt my feelings when they say that, <laughs> um, I really do appreciate any Christian calling out unhealthy behavior in a person where you have the opportunity to do that. Right? You know, not just random people, right? But that that would not be biblical. And, yeah, it never um, goes over well if you walk into a random guy at the grocery store and you're like, you know, you should do more of this. Yeah, you gotta have you gotta have the person's <laughs> ear. You have yeah. to be a person of trust, and so um, we've got to take notice of any unhealthy behavior and this one that we've sort of made normal is is not good the the bible takes a completely different stance on gluttony versus us normalizing this overindulgence of food and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh, it, it talks um it does not talk a lot specifically we'll get into some of this as we go along it doesn't talk as a lot specifically about gluttony as a matter of fact gluttony is more of a uh, middle ages theological understanding um, mm-hmm. as the church grew and started to define theology. Um, so it's not as much specific. There are some specific biblical references to gluttony. Um, what it does talk about a lot, though, a lot, um, is self-control. Yeah. And so that's the, the premise of a Christian is that the Holy Spirit living inside of you gives you the fruit of self-control. And the Bible talks a lot about us having self-control. There's a lot of godliness found in our self-control. Um, because if we are able to control wants, desires, those kind of things, sinfulness, right, then that is a that that is a, a indication of our godliness, right? So if God is fully control of all things, right, including himself, and if we are moving more towards being him, you know, after becoming a Christian, being justified as we're being sanctified or in our discipleship process walking towards him, we should be increasing in self-control because that is godly. Mm-hmm. And so the Bible talks a lot about self-control and not letting anything, anything control our lives except our Lord. 
And so yeah. there's a lot of references to those things. Um, and there's lots of tons and tons of Bible references. Me and Chloe were going over a bunch a little while ago, and we were like, let's just pick a few so we can throw them out. Mm-hmm. So, Chloe, give them a couple of yeah. uh, references to these self-control things. And these are things, these are those verses where you should just, um, the word talks about meditating on it. Mm-hmm. These are the ones, and when, when you see the picture of meditate in the scriptures, it's this picture of chewing on it, like how a cow chews cud. Right, yeah. you're just breaking it up, you're digesting it, and then the cow throws it back up, eats it some more, <laughs> right, and then digests it, eats it some more. Then by the end of the day, the grass that he started with at the beginning of the morning, the cow has gotten every bit of nutrients they could possibly get out of it. That's the idea of meditating on it. It's like mumbling to yourself is the picture in Scripture. Um, when you look at the definition of meditate mm-hmm. in the original words, it's this mumbling to yourself over and over again. These are Scriptures that we should not as much sit around and try to dissect them as much as we should meditating on them. So give yeah. them, throw them a few of them out. So the first one is 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline, and other um, translations would say self-control. Yep, self-discipline, yeah. self-control, same yeah. thing. Yeah. The power, it gives us to do that. So not to be timid. In other words, not to just sit around passive mm-hmm. on things that we should not be a part of or things that we should be a part of, but instead we have self-control. Right. You know, write that verse down, mark it down for yourself, text it to yourself if you're right. listening right now, um, and meditate on that thought right. that you can be, is what that scripture is saying, that you, because of God, you can be self-controlled if oh, yeah. you choose to. That's what my friend was saying to me, the workout dude. That's right. what he was saying. He was like, so you, you, you know you know that God has not given you a spirit of right. being timid at him, but yeah. instead of self-discipline. Yeah. Right? That's cool. Give him another one. Yeah. So that one was 2 Timothy 1.7. 2 Timothy 1.7. Yes. 1.7. And the next one is 1 Corinthians 6.12. And it says, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. Awesome scripture verse can be applied to so many things. Mm-hmm. Of course, as an American, I have the right and the privilege, and it's all around me to do whatever I want to do with food, drink, or anything that I want to do in excess. It's all around me. And of course, I can do that. And as a matter of fact, if you look at just kind of like the basic rights of Americans, mm-hmm. it's sort of baked in there, right? Yep. I can say what I want. Right, I can think what I want. I can worship how I want. Mm-hmm. I can do what I want with my money. I can do what I want with my guns. I can give you all kinds. Of, this is just baked into yeah. it. And so, of course, we can do that. And Paul's referring to the fact that, sure, you can. But not all those things are beneficial. And so yeah. I'm not going to let just anything master me by doing whatever I want. Right. That's the thought. That's another yeah. one that you should chew on a whole lot. Yeah. That would take all and that day. And like you said, it's applicable to so many I mean, everything, different right? Things, I mean, we yeah. just happen to be talking about gluttony as in, mm-hmm. you know, we'll get into some definitions in a little while, but into this excess food, drink, that kind of thing. Yeah. But gosh, it could be applied to anything. It could be applied to any of those natural rights that we feel or, you know, the fact that I'm a, I'm a grown person, right? Yeah. I'm a grown man. I'm a grown woman. <laughs> Dude, you know, you know yeah. what my wife used to say? She said this to me in a long time. She said it to me in the middle of an argument. Um, and since then, I have really, it's really hit home with me. And I've tried to not use this phrase anymore. Um, I can't remember what we're arguing about now. You know how it is in relationships and marriages. You argue about it. Most of the time, it's stupid. It'll make no sense. You can't remember it, you know, five <laughs> minutes later, much less years later. And, you know, I think what I said to her is, is I'm a grown man and I can do what I want. And Uh-oh. my wife said back to me, a grown man does not have to say that they are a grown man. Ooh. And I was like, <laughs> "Oh my gosh!" I was like, "Man," and, you're I, like, and this is the battle that I have lost. <laughs> yes, no, I didn't concede because that's I, in my sinfulness. That's not who I am. Right, I'm actually, right, right. I, I actually like to fight. I like to argue. It's bad, and so I'm not going to concede defeat until a couple days later. Um, <laughs> Like, but, so I was wrong. <laughs> but it was such a, like, think about it now, you know, anytime you yeah. feel like you got to go, I'm a man, I can do whatever I want. He's saying, no, no, <laughs> you can, but you shouldn't. And you shouldn't yeah. let yourself be mastered by any of those things. Yeah. It's a great scripture. Yeah. And it's going to take you all day long to chew 
on that one and yes. mumble that one. There's a lot of truth into yeah. it. Um, but the Bible takes this very different stance on it. Instead of it being normal, instead of gluttony being normal, it's no self-control should be normal in the Christian's life. Mm-hmm. And as we progress, self-control should be what the normal is and not letting anything else control our lives. And so when something does control us, what it's doing is it's taking the place of God. In other words, it's a sin. I don't care what it is. If it's controlling you, it is now a sin because it's going against the nature of the spirit in you, which is self-control. Yeah. Um, and so we should instead, we should try we should we should strive to practice self-control so that nothing gains control of us. Right? And so especially something as I mean, let's be real. Especially something trivial, as trivial as food. Yeah. I mean, if something as trivial as food can take control of us, then we have a problem. And it's indicative of a much larger, much, much larger issue in our lives. And that's the whole point here, is that nothing, anything that controls us is taking the place of God in our lives. And so um, I think that the reason you see, we only gave you a couple of references. I don't know if you had any more. Do you have any more? Uh-uh. No, yeah. that was just the, the reason that, that you see self-control so frequently used by God in the scriptures is because it's possible. Right. If it was impossible, I don't think he would constantly be saying it over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Like when you look at the when you look at the um, book of Titus, we talked through that a couple of years ago. Chloe and I were talking about it earlier. We decided not to give you one of those verses, but um, it gives it gives these instructions um, to this this young pastor who's you know the instructions are coming from Paul to this young pastor who is leading this church, and the instructions that are given for the pastor to lead. The people, young men specifically, old men specifically, young women specifically, and older women specifically, which means we just hit the entire human race. <laughs> we right? hit everybody. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, it, it, the the one common factor in all of them is self control, mm-hmm. and so I don't think that that gets mentioned over and over and over again if it's not something that is absolutely possible. Yeah. And so it's possible. It is absolutely possible to be self-controlled in this. Now, when we're talking about gluttony, you got to remember, we're not saying that if you eat too much turkey on Thanksgiving Day, that it's a sin. That's not what we mean. Like, we don't mean that, you know, there's a wedding celebration and you're celebrating and, you know, you eat the awesome food that comes out and then you have two slices of cake and next thing you know, you're sitting back you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the celebration, opening up your belt and popping your button on your britches. Um that's not what it's saying. Like, gluttony is not an occasional indulgence. It's what it what it is is it's a habitual practice. Yeah. And so it's not an occasional thing. It's a habitual thing. Like the Bible talks about feasts. Now, of course, it's these specific ordained feasts within the calendar um, in the Old Testament. And then you see those same feasts. Some of those feasts happening in Jesus's time. You you, you watch some of these times that you walk into, like. Passover and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for example, for us, if you put it in our context, Thanksgiving Day or that wedding that I mentioned or whatever it may be, right. um, the, the Bible talks about those occasional feasts being a good thing. He actually tells us that there are times where we should um, indulge, eat till our full, overflowing, right, mm-hmm. and feast in him and all the good things that he's done for us. So it's not like, you know, we're saying that, you know, if you have a, a, a big Thanksgiving meal that all of a sudden you're sinful. That's, that's not what it really is. Um, here's the big line. I told Chloe I thought this would be the biggest line of our whole podcast today. When we make a good thing, any good thing, an ultimate thing, it ultimately becomes destructive in our lives. I'll say it again. When we make any good thing an ultimate thing, it becomes destructive. Yeah. That's what God knows about it. And so yeah. it's okay to enjoy the things of God and the good things and good food and good wine. I mean, you see scriptures talking about this specifically and good drink and all those things. Mm. Um, it's good to enjoy those because what those things were designed to do originally prior to sin entering the world is they were designed for us to receive these good things like good food and drink and then go, wow, what a God that would make this taste this good, right? Right. What a God that would make a bean, a coffee bean, taste so good when it's mm-hmm. roasted. Uh, what a God that would make 
these grapes turn into this wine, you know, this, this, all those kind of things. That's right. what it's supposed to do. Um, but we can take any good thing in our lives and turn it into a sin when we make it an ultimate thing. Yep. When it becomes the driving factor. Um, that's another statement that's just applicable to everything. Anything. anything. <laughs> everything, yeah. Yeah, we just happen to be talking about right now gluttony. Right. Um, but gluttony also, by the way, can be applied to multiple areas. It, yeah. You know, it can almost be applied to any way in which something is first and foremost like like idolizing hmm. um False idols, pride, you know, that kind of idolatry is what we're mm-hmm. really talking about. But it can also be anything we indulge in over and over and over and over to an excess right. that takes away the it takes away the understanding that it was supposed to point to him. Yeah. And instead what it does, this is why it becomes an ultimate thing, is it's just pointing to itself. And for many people, for many, many people, and I think I'm partially in this category, food is a destructive force in their life. Um it's become an idol, and that's a big deal. Um, if you want to know a little bit more about the sort of theological understanding of that we currently have primarily of gluttony, um, in the Middle Ages is when we started to dive deeper into some basic theological constructs and structures that we reference a lot now, things that have been given words to them. Um, and that's when you started to see a robust view of what gluttony looks like. And so um, St. Thomas Aquinas is one of the most famous theologians that's ever lived. Middle Ages theologian, Catholic priest, Catholic doctor of theology, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. It's probably the most famous Catholic theologian ever. Um, And and this guy, um, Aquinas is what we call him, St. Thomas Aquinas. Anyway, uh, he's so influential in theological thought even now, but even more so in philo- in philosophy. And so he was one of the ones that kind of, instead of balking at all of, I'm getting deep right now, instead of balking, the nerds just loved it. They cranked it up. Everybody else turned it off. Um, he was one of the first ones who took certain pieces of what Aristotle was saying and used it and applied it instead of just kind of pushing it all away as false philosophy, false religion. And so he started using some of those pieces. And he actually refers to Aristotle as the philosopher. Um, So even now, right now, the vast majority of modern philosophy is either based on his teachings or they are against his teachings, specifically against his teachings. And so he's hugely influential. Um, And so what he had is he had one particular work that is just a profound, world-famous, probably his most famous work. And I don't think this one was finished, if I remember. I'm having to remember way back mm-hmm. to old-school stuff that I way learned. Way back and I, in the day. Yeah, I don't remember as much. <laughs> but um, I don't think that it was ever completely finished. But it was called Summa Theologica. Hmm. And it was sort of this summary of theology, right? Um, and in that, he outlines these five ways to commit gluttony. And so now it gets a little more specific, right? Because right. when we think of gluttony and what we've said so far, really, we've really only talked about one, maybe two of these. And so he takes this bigger approach and starts to kind of give these five ways that you see gluttony happen. And you may not agree with all five of these. I don't know how much I completely agree with all five of these, but it's really interesting to think about. Right. And so he says um, the first one is uh, eating food that is too luxurious, exotic, or costly. And so one form of gluttony is to eat food that um, is just, why in the world would you waste that much money on that food? Why would it be that crazy? Yeah. So here's here's the one I thought of. Because I was thinking all kinds of stuff, and I was like, I don't know, man. I, is he talking about lobster? Because I can get down <laughs> with some lobster. I don't think that's it. That's no, no, no. Anything. Think about if you've been, if you're an Instagrammer, you've seen this, or if you're TMZ-er. A or, social media right, influencer. Right. So all of, our, all of our millennials right now are know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of our older people are going to be like, Adam, I cannot believe what you said actually exists. I know. So go with it. Mm-hmm. Um, that there are places in the world, lots and lots of places, that you can, in America, right now, tonight for dinner, that you can have certain foods that have... Gold that have gold dusting on them, what? like real gold dusting, real edible gold uh, 
not plating is the wrong word, but embossing on your foods. But why? Right now. What, what is the point? Is it like super good for you? No, not at all. <laughs> why then? It's, it's exotic. It's luxurious. It's expensive. It's high taste. It's what it is, is it's gluttony. I was going right? to say it's stupid. <laughs> right, right. It's gluttony. <laughs> yeah, you think that's about it. crazy. And so he, start, he qualifies some of these things as gluttony as is you're taking in some food that is, is absolutely ridiculously luxurious. What's the point here? It's, it doesn't no. make any sense. It, it seems like the only reason that you would want to do it is because it's excess. Yeah. Right? Extreme excess. I feel like I've heard of it before, but it never gets more like confusing as to why anyone it's would everywhere. want to eat. like gold dusting on their food go google go google go google the most expensive things that you can buy to eat in new york city and you will see it oh man like it's everywhere um so that's one of them so that one's so that's like this first little way to commit gultery that aquinas says um and then the next one is eating food that is excessive in quality um meaning it's too daintily or elaborately prepared that's going to be a little bit different than the one that is exotic, I think. So if you think about this one, it's excessive in its quality. It's taken a long time to prepare it or whatever. So it's this, it's like, think of something that, think of a wine that takes 100 years to finish, right? Right. And so it ends up costing a crazy amount of money, so it's exotic too, but... It's taken all the, in other words, it's been the complete total focus, ridiculous amount of focus on it. It's it's become ultimate, right? Like we were talking about before. It's kind of a cool way to look at it. That's one of these he says. That's the one I struggle with the most to kind of figure out what the heck he's talking about. Right. And then, um, then you get to the one that we know. So that one was eating foods that are excessive in quality. Right. The next one is eating foods that are excessive in quantity. That's right, the so one that, that we yeah. typically think of. Right, eating too much. Right, right. So you're just eating too much of something, um, and and this is all day in America. I mean, all day. Our portion sizes are out of control. Yeah. And I'm all about them portion sizes being out of control. I mean, they are out of control. Yeah. Um, and then you've got the next one. So so we get those so far. So we so far we got um, luxurious, exotic, costly, that kind of mm-hmm. thing excessive in quality and then excessive in quantity and you would think man we've hit it all but listen to these next two eating hastily is a way that we commit gluttony Mm -hmm. in other words we eat it too soon or we eat at an appropriate time and so we um I told Chloe this one before. We get our on the way home. I have done this. I can't believe I'm admitting it out loud. It was on a King of Queens episode, which made me feel better because that means I'm not the only person that does it. Um, I've never seen that. Oh, of course you haven't. <laughs> Chloe, by the way, has never seen any movie or show we ever referenced. Um, it's one of the greatest shows, I think, of the last 20 years. Uh, anyway. This one would be like eating hastily, too soon or at an inappropriate time. You're talking about your your pre... Yeah, pre-dinner Whopper. <laughs> <laughs> or pre-dinner Big Mac. It's like yeah. on the way home at 5 o'clock, and I know you're going to eat dinner, but mm-hmm. I go by and get a Big Mac or a Whopper instead. It's like it's, it's you shouldn't eat it. Why, would you, why wouldn't you just wait is the whole point. Um, eating it too quickly or at an inappropriate time. Inappropriate time is what I'm referring to. Right. Or just eating too soon. Like, you know, you can't wait. So you can't wait for everybody else, and so you, you, you know what I mean, right? I'm impatient when it comes to stuff like that. I'll just be like, I'll just so we, a big sometimes bite. we think of that as just a oh. um, a way to be um, respectful to others is that we wait for everybody's food. But if you look a little deeper, it means that it could be gluttonous. That's what Aquinas is yeah. saying because it could be like I have to eat this that so much so that I can't wait for your food to come out. Yeah, you know. I have to go ahead and dive into it. Um, I can't wait for everybody to get their food so we can say the blessing first. So we can so we can thank God, right, for these good things that he's given us. I can't wait for that. So I'm just going to start eating anyway. Yeah. You know, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. And then his last one is eating greedily, um, eating too eagerly. Mm. There's a sense of greed in what you eat. Um, like not wanting to share what you yeah, have. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and. Just being so eager to consume it. I mean, that, that there's an overlay of the one we just said as well. But think about being eating greedily. Um, uh, here's my example of this. So I said earlier I was going to share it. It's about pizza. Um, 
So I absolutely love pizza. It's my favorite food in the world. If you made me only pick one food that I could ever eat again on this earth, that's what it would be. It would be pizza. Um, and I tend to, like we said before, I tend to eat my whole pizza. Right. So I'll ask my family, and I like making frozen pizzas. So I'll ask my family, do you want something? And then they don't say so, then that's my whole pizza. I'll make you one, right? right. It's like when you go through the drive-thru at McDonald's and you go, hey, you want anything? And they're like, nah. And then you get yours and they're like, let me have I'm some that, of your fries. And you're like, uh, I just asked you if you I'm want that anything. There, that's, that's a that's a, I think that's a way that we have gluttony, right? Yeah. So um, in our family, we've hit a new phase, right? So we have a teenage daughter. We now have a son who is rolling into puberty. He's not there yet, but he's getting there. So we start to eat a lot. Then we got a five-year-old little girl who loves to eat too. And so now what has happened in our family is that when we prepare dinner, um, we're realizing that we need to prepare more. Like mm. what we used to feed a family of four or a family of five with little kids ain't working no more. Right. And so we're having to double up. So when we make mac and cheese, it's a family size box. It's two boxes. It won't be one. It's not going to feed everybody, that kind right. of stuff. And so um, I do a lot of the cooking, not all of it. Valerie does lots of cooking too. Um, we usually basically just do that based on, not on stupid gender roles, but right. based on who is home and available to cook dinner at yeah. that particular time. Based on schedule. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Makes and sense. So, so we'll be cooking dinner or whatever, and I'll do a lot of that cooking. And when I cook the dinner, I make sure that uh, the kids understand that mama eats first when daddy cooks. And so we make sure that she has her food first, and then we serve um, – the other kids and then whatever kids helping me that kid eats last and then daddy's last so because daddy's last um, a lot of times there's not very much food left for me right mm. there probably is it's probably <laughs> gluttony <laughs> but when i look at that portion and i'm you know i'm pushing 300 pounds right so i'm six foot three six foot four about 300 pounds not quite 300 pounds i'm 280 285. <laughs> let's just i just want you to get the right image yeah. right? so um <laughs> So when I look at that portion, I'm like, it's not enough. So quite frequently, a little while later, I will fix myself a frozen pizza. Right. So the other night, this was just a couple nights ago, I fixed the same that that scenario happens. I fix myself a frozen pizza, and I go in to get it. And when I come back um, from checking on the pizza, it's not quite done. My wife says to me, "Can you cut me just a little piece, please?" And I'm irritated. I'm like, oh, "Yes." <laughs> and then I don't want you to say, you know. A grown man don't have to say he's a grown man anymore, so I'm not going to say Anyway, so I'm going to say yes. And then my teenage daughter looks at me, who's still awake, because she stays up later than the little ones. She says, Daddy, can I have one, too? And I'm like, yes. So I go back in there, and when I cut them a piece of pizza, I cut. you got to picture this in your mind. I cut one slice, pull the slice out. Take that slice and go to the corner of that slice, the top left corner or top right corner. I did in this case. I did both. And then you cut a small slice off that top slice. So you have you have crust, you have cheese, maybe a topping or so. The tiniest Right, piece but of it's pizza. the tiniest piece of pizza you can get. Oh my and gosh. so it's literally an inch, two inches at the most. And I put it on the biggest plate I can put it on, and I take it back to my wife, and I hand it to her, and I hand Olivia hers. And they're laughing at first, of course. And then they're like, um, give me my pizza. <laughs> but it's an example of this idea of – Eating in a greedily way, yeah. um, greedy way, mm -hmm. is gluttonous. Yeah. Um, and so that's a cool way to think through it. Um, and that's sort of a bigger theological piece that we've had now for, gosh, we've had this understanding now for 800 years. This piece of theology has been out there. I not get this understanding um, until today. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so anyway, you'll notice in those things that we just said, the first three ways are related to the food itself. Right. The last two are related in the manner in which we eat it. So it's not just the way we eat. It's also the foods and the way we choose those foods mm -hmm. that can indicate, you know, gluttony in our lives. And so um, and then and then what he points to what Aquinas points to is that abstinence from food and drink can overcome the sin of gluttony. So what he mm -hmm. points to is fasting. So he points the way to conquer some of these things is actually to fast. Um, and to me, that's really interesting because fasting is also, I think, the most underutilized discipline in the Christian church in America, at least. I don't know about anywhere else. It absolutely is in my own faith walk. If you Same took here. spiritual disciplines yeah. and you listed them out, I'm going to tell you right now that I only know like one person in my whole life who's going to be like, 
I, I have fasting discipline. I do fasting discipline, um, and I don't need to work on that as much as I do, you know, reading my Bible. I only know one person. Everybody else is the top discipline is going to be fasting. So much so that we even ignore that fasting is a discipline in the church. Oh, yeah. Just like, just and look at it, though, just like we ignore that gluttony is a sin in the church. They yeah. go kind of hand in hand. That's what Aquinas is really talking about. That's interesting. So, uh, Aquinas, I think I said his name wrong. Anyway, whatever. Close enough. <laughs> Close enough. Um, but I think it's really cool, and we'll wrap this thing up. So we talked about food too long. Now I'm trying to get hungry, so now i got to start fasting. Um, <laughs> uh, it's really interesting, Chloe and I were saying this a few minutes ago, that there are so many food and taste analogies in the Bible for God. There's tons of them. Yeah. Just like there's all these self-control references, there's all these references to food and taste for the Lord. Like um, Psalm 34 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Um, 1 Peter 2 talks about desire the sincere spiritual milk of the word. Right, so it compares the word to sincere, life-giving, like from your mama, keep you alive, uh, milk. Um, just recently, we just talked through this a couple of weeks ago on a stage. We we're preaching about it in John six. You see him saying, "I'm the bread of life. Come to me, and you will not hunger anymore." In in John, uh, I think it is eight. You see, um, I, mean, I don't know, I don't know where it is. In John four, you see the. Um, uh, that he is the living water, right? And take mm-hmm. and drink, you know, and uh, and you won't thirst anymore, right? There's right. all these constant references. Um, and so the implication here, where the driving home point here, is that if we give ourselves to being satisfied with spiritual bread and wine and milk and water, then physical hunger will lose its supreme power, right? Yeah. And God instead will have supreme power. And so fasting enables us to say, God, you are what I want more than food, drink, earthly things. And so then it combats this sin of gluttony that we don't have time, don't even recognize that it's gluttony. Like when we went through that list a few minutes ago from him, I I only thought of one. I only thought of too much quantity of food. Right. Until I started reading, Same I was here. like, "Oh, this makes a lot of sense." When we were like talking about gluttony, I was like, "All right, so when you just eat too you much, eat too much, whatever, right. This is it's just like gossip, honestly, like just like the podcast that we did on gossip. It's broader. It than permeates what you us. It yeah. is those sins. Gossip is one. That's why we're talking about these sins we ignore that they're messing us up. They permeate. They're everywhere, and they're all in these little different pieces. And so the whole point is, is that we've got to feast on the. The Word of God. We've got to feast on God, right? His real bread, His real wine, His real water. And then that's going to help us have this physical stuff lose its power. Yeah. And it's the same way with anything in our lives. If we devote ourselves to the things of God and make those supreme, then the other stuff loses power automatically because it's not in control anymore. And so if, if, if we're seeing that these things are become an ultimate thing, then we have to reorient quite frequently. This is not like a one-time thing, right? Nothing about what we talk about on this podcast is a one-time thing. This is constantly, you have to reorient and go, hold up. This has become an ultimate thing in my life. I only want God to be the ultimate thing. He's the only ultimate thing that there is. So I've got to reorient to make that happen. And I think you see all these food references because it's really natural in our natural biological state to make uh, food and things that we ingest to be the most important thing, right? right? The most important thing. We even do this with the way we talk about work. When we talk about bringing home the bacon, Mm -hmm. working to provide food for our family, that's not the primary reason we work. Those are beneficial gifts from the Lord for giving our all and working in his kingdom, in his world, um, and laboring. like yeah. So, anywho, I can go on all day. But no, that was good. It's wow. pretty deep, actually. So, real quick, this is just something that's on my mind before we yep. end. Can you give a quick, like, idea of what fasting is? Like, it doesn't have to yeah, be it's good, good idea. no food at all for a week or anything like that. Like, can you give, like, an idea of what fasting can be? Yeah, so you see, if anybody's in, wondering. Biblically speaking, you see fasting various different ways. And so what you const- what you usually come back to is fasting is um, 
only certain things for a significant period of time, no food at all for a significant period of time, or then fasting from from specific foods. So it's just three different things, right? right? And so you see fasting only with certain ones, and then you see that that's the focus is just those main things. So like most of the fast that my family does, and by the way, this is a discipline that we have only been doing now for like four years. Yeah. Um, is it is a uh, sort of like what you'd call a Daniel fast, which is the probably the most famous fast, mm-hmm. um, and that is you know choosing basically just um, and there's all kinds of different ways that you can look at it, but choosing like fruits, vegetables, and water, right? Yeah. And that's it. And so that's that is abstaining from everything else. And then there are fasts where it's just completely nothing um, at all. Um, and those, of course, you can't do but for so long, right? But fasting is the idea of um, I want to dedicate time, energy, and attention to hearing from God, and I get rid of things in my life that keep me from doing that for a period of time to make him ultimate and to take those things away. And so when we create physical hunger, when we feel that hunger in our bodies, when we feel that we're we're supposed to – take that time and let it recognize that it's there and then give that time to God instead. That's the idea of fasting. So fasting can happen any way you want to. Like I have that one person I referenced earlier who I don't think fasting is an issue for them. Uh, I think that they have, they're, they're really into that spiritual discipline and they're doing well at it. Um, And I think God's blessing them. What they do is they fast every single week on Wednesday. And so from sun up to sundown, they don't eat or drink anything. Then after in the night, they do. And so during that daytime, they're increasing the time that they would have spent eating, they're praying, the time they would have spent eating, they're reading the Bible, the times where they feel hunger pains or they're annoyed or they're hangry, right. they're focusing on God. And then there's praying specific prayers during those times on purpose. Um, and then, of course, at, and then at some point, they're breaking their fast. Fasting is actually a very natural biological thing for us. That's why our first meal is called breakfast. It actually means breaking fast so that after dinner, after yeah. dinner, we're not eating again until morning. That is a fasting period. And so when we eat breakfast, we're breaking our fast from yeah. the night before. You know, does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, so it's a natural biological rhythm for us. And and when we use those things to focus our attention more on God and less on those things, what we're doing is all we're doing is reorienting, reprioritizing what is ultimate in our lives yeah. versus what is something we can do without. Yeah. We're saying, I can do without food. I can do without water during these periods of times. I cannot do without you, God. And so when people are talking about fasting, you, I would suggest that you start small when you fast and build your way up just like anything else. Yeah. You know, I give people the same advice when it comes to tithing. Um, biblically speaking, tithing is 10% of your, of the first 10% of your income of your increase going to God through the local church to the storehouse. Um, but God is going to honor you if you take steps towards that. And it may be too hard for you to do that right now. You may, your, faith not be, your faith may be too weak because it's a step of faith. Right. Start with 1%, right? It's the same thing with fasting. Start with some one day where you say, I'm only going to go, I'm only going to do water from sunup to sundown, or I'm going to fast from something. You know, you see people doing a meal. Yeah, a meal. Um, I do think the focus should be on food related items, Mm -hmm. but it does not mean that you cannot have a spiritual fast from social media. Yeah. But you've got to make sure that it's an actual fast, not just you deleting an app. Right. And you're just like, and I'll fill my time in other ways. Right. You know, so it's it's got to be a it's a a dedicated time to focus on the Lord as ultimate versus the things that we've made ultimate. So if you find something in your life that you made ultimate fast from it and dedicate that time to the Lord. Yeah. It's amazing what it'll do. Cuz what it what it will do very quickly, I think, is it will it will help that discipline um replace the sin that you have been ignoring. Yeah. And so I think that's why he's spot on when it comes to, you know, how do you conquer the sin of gluttony? Well, it's going to be by fasting and it all makes sense. Yeah. So wow. good question. Yeah, I felt like that would be a good way to good one. End good it. one. All right. Well, that was that was good. I'm like still kind of like I was gonna say I'm chewing on everything that you said, but then I was like, ha, gluttony, chewing on it. But 
See, See dad, what I jokes. Did there? dad jokes. Yeah, um, I know you hit. I hit a certain age where I just I, everything I say is a dad joke, and I don't even mean to do it. Yeah, you know those. Have you seen those progressive? Happens, I guess. So there's so many some people in here. There's progressive commercials where people oh, are turning into their yes. parents. Yes, I love we, those. We love them. We watched one the other night, and after the commercials over with, I looked at Valerie and my oldest daughter Olivia, and I said, "Every time these commercials come on." I relate to every single thing that that dad that, that they're making fun of is doing. I'm doing all those things now, like talking yes. about how much parking that how much they much make on parking, and yes. you know making the weird joke about the koi <laughs> fish in the pond. And I'm like, this is me. This is what I've turned into. <laughs> like, wait, this is embarrassing. Yes, I hit a certain age where I am turning into my parents. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Dad oh jokes just start to flow. Yes. Sometime around. This old age. So. I don't know. I mean, I have them too. I had one earlier, but yeah. So anyway, it's a lot to process. Um, yeah, it's a lot to it. Yeah. We probably could have done a couple episodes on it. Yeah. Yep. It's good stuff though. So thank you guys for joining us today on this episode. Um, be sure to check us out on social media if you have not already. Um, that's where we give updates on new episodes being released. Um, and we also release new episodes every single Wednesday. You can count on it. Every Wednesday. So, we yeah. haven't missed one yet. Yeah, we have not missed one 34 straight Wednesdays. What, what? Yeah. What, what? It's pretty cool. And it's so, hard to do, actually. So Yeah, yeah. It's pretty. <laughs> it's a lot to keep up with. It's hard to schedule, figure yes. out what we're doing, talk through it, schedule it. Record. I mean, it's, it's not easy. Yes. So It's a lot. It's a priority for us. And um, I hope that you're making it a priority, too. Yeah. So. It's a lot of fun, too, to get to be a part of the conversations. Hopefully this stuff pushes you not to feast on a podcast, though. Like, please don't feast on a podcast. Please don't feast on a sermon. Please don't feast on some random preacher you found online and you're watching, binge watching. Don't feast on that. You got to feast on the word. You got to feast on the spirit. Not on this. This should just drive you to Mm -hmm. feast on that. That makes any sense. So. Um, real quick before we end, I've heard it said that like if you're feasting on like a sermon or a podcast or anything like that, it's kind of like you're eating the crumbs off the table exactly and there's a whole eating. feast for you up there, but you're just like going and you're like, oh man, these are good crumbs, but you're missing out on so much. It's exactly more, what so. you're eating because, yeah. because real sermons, real things like that, they're what God is doing in the heart of that person that's presenting it. Yeah. And they're eating that yeah. and they're sharing with you what they're eating. But if, if that's all you're doing, all you're doing is licking the plate. Right. You know, and there's so much more than that. Yeah. Who wants to lick a plate? You can't do that anymore, Corona. Yeah. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we can go on all day for this. Yeah, but we could. We'll end here. So thank you guys again for joining us today. Check us out on social media, and we will be back again next week with a new episode. Be back next week. Yep. Have a great week. See you later. Thank you for joining us on the Messy Walk Podcast with Pastor Adam Cook. Make sure to follow us for future episodes that will be posted regularly each Wednesday. Have a good day.